0: One of God's good gifts is his scripture, and we're going to read together with a full voice, just the way you sang. If you don't have one of these sheets, you didn't know this rule, raise your hand. Somebody will get you one of theirs. Just we want to all read together. Anybody? Here we go. Let's read. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all of his sons because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a very colored tunic. His brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, and so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Then Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, Please listen to this dream which I have had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and, lo, my sheaf rose up and also stood erect, Behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf. Then his brother said to him, Are you actually going to rule over us? Or are you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. So they sent a message to Joseph, saying, Your father charged before he died, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, Please forgive, I beg you, the transgressions of your brothers for their sin, for they did you wrong. And now please forgive the transgressions of the servant of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke with him. Then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Thank you. Genesis chapter 37 and Genesis chapter 50, if you want to find that in your Bible. It is a powerful moment, a powerful moment of breakthrough, uh, like a cool breeze on a hot, humid day with a faint promise of fall. The thought comes to you, God is thinking of you. Right now and yesterday and often, you are the object of his attention and his intelligent care it's what David discovered in Psalm 39 we read earlier in the morning how precious are your thoughts to me O God how vast is the sum of them they outnumber the sand I go to sleep I stop thinking about you you never stop thinking about me I wake up and I'm still with you in your thoughts and your attention he gets you that's the bottom line of this this morning you may not get you, but he does. He knows what you are for. He knows what you were for from the beginning. He knows what you need to learn next. He's been watching you carefully all of your life. 4,000 years ago, a young man named, made a similar statement. His name was Joseph. And he lived most of his life with almost unspeakable abuse and neglect. But through all the abuse and the unfairness of that experience, he learned one lesson. At the end of life, he verbalized it this way. God meant it for good. The Hebrew word is chasav, to think, to plan, or to decide. God thought or planned or decided to do good with my life. In most cases, in this sentence, it's translated plan. And we talk about that often. I know the plans I have for you, says God. But we, and we'll get there this morning. But for a moment, will you reflect on it from its first definition that God is thinking about you this morning? He thinks about you in a way, a very different way than the world does. He, he thinks about you different than your friends do or even than you do. His assessment of you, his sense of your value and your purpose in the world, is not necessarily what you've been thinking. He has this high and valuable and deep view of you. He's been thinking about you. That's certainly what Peter learned in Luke chapter 22. It's the night of Gethsemane. Satan has demanded permission to sift you, said Jesus to Peter that night. My friend, things are about to get really bumpy. Uh, You better buckle your seatbelt because this is going to get turbulent. But while that was alarming and defeating to Peter, it wasn't to Jesus. Watch me. Jesus could see through that difficult time to the end. He could see through the outcome of that difficult time. I would have thought, please spare me from that difficult moment. I would have said, please, Lord, no, no, no. But he said, no, my plan is different than I'm going to bring you through that moment. And then he would say, and when you repent, I want you to strengthen other people through the lesson. I have a plan for you. God says this morning, it's not what you were thinking. It's sometimes much harder than you were dreaming. And when you repent... When you change underneath the pressure of that very real circumstance, when you let that circumstance turn you back to God, then you will be ready to help others. This is a dear doctrine to me of late. Um, some of you have been retired and so you know this road. I don't. Uh, Sometimes in days recent, my heart has been so empty with uncertainty, almost near panic with the change that is coming to me in these next days. I was running the other day in my neighborhood, true truth. A guy pulls up in a car beside me and he said, You inspire me. (laughs) When I get old, I want to be just like you. Don't panic, says the Spirit. <laughs> Keep walking, Dawn. You don't know where this road leads, but I do. Will you say it? God has been thinking of me. God has a plan for my life. He knows me. He's been watching with attention in my life. If so, there will be a dream that you will need to embrace a hope and a picture of the future that you will need to hold in your heart. You can't have God's hope on your skin. You have to let it deep within your heart. You have to embrace it uh, as his good promise. Maybe it will be a literal dream like Joseph in our story. Maybe at night you'll wake up and see a dream. Maybe it'll just be a, a vision of what he would have you to do with your life. Chapter 37 of this reading will tell how a young man began to receive those dreams and began to think about life in terms of being lived for God and with God and with the outcomes belonging to God. It wasn't self-generated. It cannot be self-generated. You cannot use God for your own ambitions. It has to come from Him, what you always were for and what He wants for you. Wednesday night in prayer meeting, Larry asked us to read 1 Corinthians 2, 9. I hath not seen nor ear heard all that God has prepared for those who love him. I hath not seen nor ear heard everything that God has prepared for people who love him. You have no idea what God made you for. You have no concept of the high and noble and good purpose for which he made you. And so part of knowing that God is thinking about me is me to think about him and open my heart to that dream. Is this dream alive in you this morning? Have you lived sadly content only with survival or with the small scrap of of safety in this unsafe world? Have you ever embraced that God made you for himself? and sent his son to die that you might be his friend and walk with him in eternity as his friend. Will that make other people uncomfortable? Yes, probably. People who don't want God almost always are uncomfortable when somebody else does want God. So Joseph found that... Loving God didn't actually solve problems it made them. It created difficulty in his family. Um, But God isn't in marketing. He doesn't monitor how people are receiving his truth. He works in labor and delivery. And he rejoices if a single person this morning is birthed into this noble grand vision. One person. One person who said, I get it now. He made me for himself. He has chased me down in Christ. And I will take upon myself that new life. Heaven rejoices. If God has a plan for you, there's a dream that you're going to need to embrace. You're going to open your heart to it and let it speak to you. There'll be discouragements that you'll need to resist. This will not be easy. Don't fool yourself. What I'm asking of you this morning, what the Spirit of God is inviting you to do this morning is not easy at any level. The path that you are about to take at no point will be about making the old you comfortable. It is not about that. Potiphar's wife will come after you. Your brothers will resent you. People who you helped in jail will forget all about you and feel no obligation to help you in return. And the only saving grace, the only saving grace is that God himself will be faithful to you. He will be your friend. Everybody else may back out on you, but this great God will not. He will be faithful. If that is not enough for you, then you're probably not ready. If it isn't enough for you to say, I put my hand into your hand and we will walk the rest of these days together, you teach me to be the child that you made me to be, if that's not enough for you, You're probably not ready. But if you are, if you are, if you're that one person or thousand who say, I I hear you, preacher. I hear what the Scripture has been saying to me my whole life. In fact, it it isn't even your voice I hear. I hear the voice of God calling me to himself. If you will then take that calling and stand up against all discouragements and say, this may get hard, but I am not going to give up. I am going to do what God's calling me to do, then you are ready. In the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. In the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. Steve Brown used to say, you never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you got. That's when you learn this best of all lessons. I know, I know, I, I know that this is the one moment where you have to say again that your flesh can't be in charge. This is when you pick up the cross daily and say again, remember what I promised you when I was a teenager? i pick it up again today. Remember what I said to you when I first loved you? i pick that up again today. I will do what you're asking me to do. There will be discouragements to resist, but there will be des- dedications to renew. Years later, his brothers slither into the palace. They are needing his help now. And he recognizes them, but he looks like an Egyptian, and so they don't recognize him. With emotion and cunning, he begins to unwrap the early trauma of his life. And if you've ever had childhood trauma, you know the power of it. A thousand times a thousand, he has asked himself this question. Did my dad know? Were they all in on it? Why did they do this? What did I do to cause them to hate me this way? He's had a thousand questions all of his life. And now, with them standing before him, he begins to probe that dark childhood trauma. But not for the purpose of revenge. He's past that now. The same young man who did not sleep with his boss's wife now knows that hatred is not God's will either. Resentments for your past have no power to make you godly. Going back to them a thousand times will not find you water for this journey. The resentments of your past have no power to make you godly now. You've got to let them go, turn toward God, choose something higher, and let him get you down this road. Now, apart from that decision, the world will have its influence on you, and you repeat this cycle a thousand times. Why did it happen? Why did they hate me? Why did you let that happen? You'll go back to that, only at that moment where you say, I, I get it. You are worthy of my life, and I will give you my life from this moment forward. That's what Paul is saying in Romans 12. Don't be conformed to this world. They don't know what you're for anyway. Why would you let them counsel you? Present your body as a living sacrifice. Stop telling God how hard your life has been. Start telling him that you would have a part of his new world. That you, by his grace, would like to be a part of that new chapter. And the grand purpose, the grand purpose that will emerge... The magnificent obsession, Joseph said, I see now that God was doing all this that others might be saved. Now, salvation for him was a physical thing, that they'd be saved from the famine, that they would have food. For us, it is a spiritual salvation, something even deeper. I see now that even in my hard times, God was at work so that others might be saved. Tuesday night in Fellowship Hall, our our Fellowship Hall was filled with pastors from all over the city planning a crusade in October. Crusade 300 is what they're calling it. And they dreamed with tears that other people might be saved. I wondered at the energy of that room, the joyful shouts, the real tears that people might be rescued from a life without God and restored to Him. Is that passion still at the center of this great church? Is that the one great obsession that we have finally perceived is the will of God in all things? The reason that we had to suffer, whatever we've had to suffer, was that others might now be saved because we hold up the gospel before them. Jesus used to say, you just lift me up on the cross and I will draw men, all men to myself. Are you aware this morning that God has been good to you? Have you seen and marked his mercy? Has it ever dawned on you that the reason he was being kind to you is so that he might use you then to be kind to somebody else in salvation? This morning we take the Lord's Supper, and will you consider as we do, this is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He had no small goal when he gave his son to die on the cross. This is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And we do not add to that enterprise by adding our own sins or seeking our own comfort. We say, Lord Jesus, if that's what you came to do, that's what I came to do too, let's pray together. Gentlemen, the deacons, will you get ready? God, if you're thinking of us this morning, every one of us hairs on heads and sparrows that fall and every single person in a 7 billion populated world, you know. Not only you know us, you've watched us with care and you know what we are for and you know that a secular age can never produce that ever. Instead, uh, your sweet, sweet, First will for all men is that they come to be reconciled to you in the person of your son. Today, we gather around his table. We remember him, his courage, his surrender. And we think, if you've been thinking of us, then today, we're going to think about you. In Jesus' name.